In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It could be easy to read a message into our gospel text that Jesus is not saying. He is not championing the values of the Marxist revolution that is currently sweeping our nation. Jesus is not teaching us that rich people go to hell and poor people automatically get their ticket punched to heaven. That may be a popular teaching in some circles right now, but it's not the teaching of Scripture. Riches can and often do become a stumbling block to faith, but there is nothing inherently sinful about being wealthy. Just as being poor does not make one righteous, only faith in Jesus saves. The poor man had it, the rich man didn't. Jesus doesn't really tell us anything about the spiritual state of these two men while they were still alive. But in the conversation that happens between Abraham and the rich man after death, then we get a glimpse of the lack of faith in Christ and his word that caused the rich man to end up in hell. This story is meant as a warning to us. Because frankly, when Jesus describes the outward circumstances of their two lives, all of us have much more in common with the rich man. None of us is sleeping outside or on someone else's porch. None of us is covered in sores. All of us have plenty to eat. Now, perhaps we don't have enough money to throw extravagant feasts every day of our lives like the rich man, but wouldn't that be great if we did? You see, if we don't have all the things that the rich man did, we wish that we did. And how much of our time and energy do we devote to the pursuit of all these good things in life? Be careful. The rich man had everything that we might secretly want. And then he died and found himself in hell. The world does offer many pleasures. Riches, food, comfort, entertainment, sex, power. None of these things is inherently wicked. They are all gifts from God and can be a great blessing to us. But there's a reason that Jesus spoke of the deceitfulness of riches. These pleasures can become a great snare. They can easily distract us from the things that have eternal consequence. The rich man had everything of value in this world, but nothing of value in the next. This world is temporary. The next world is eternal. So Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'm sure you've heard the old fable of the man who sells his heart or his soul to the devil for 20 years of earthly bliss. At the time of the deal, 
20 years seems like eternity. But the clock always runs out, and then the real eternity begins. And this story is more than just a fable. The devil uses the pleasures of this world to offer his deal to anyone who will listen. His line sounds a lot like a credit card commercial. Enjoy everything now with no interest, no payments until later. The rich man in our story took the deal. He had all his good things now. A splendid house, fancy cars, a comfortable retirement. He had every good thing in life except faith in Jesus. But that's the only currency that has any value in heaven. In eternity, he was so utterly poor that he begged in vain for a drop of water to cool his tongue. Heed the warning in Jesus' story. It is better to be a beggar and have Christ than to gorge your soul with pleasures that will soon be gone. It is better to kneel at the table of our Lord than to dine in the palaces of kings. If you have Jesus and nothing else, you are more blessed than the wealthiest man on earth. Now, we should be clear that this story is not teaching us that possessions and physical attachments are evil. They're not. That idea is contrary to Scripture. God likes stuff. He made a whole mess of it. He likes for us to have it. Money, possessions, physical bodies. In fact, God the Son became man and now has a physical body for all eternity. God delights to give us good things in this life. But the danger we face is when we elevate these good things to a place they ought not to be. The first commandment says, You shall have no other gods before me. Notice God isn't saying you shall have no other good things. But he says you shall put none of these good things ahead of or before me. Every good gift from God has the potential to become a false God if we put it before the one true God. Money, success, retirement, family, health, all these things are wonderful blessings from God. But when these become our chief pursuit in life, then we have become idolaters. You might ask yourself, what is the driving force in my life? What do I spend my time and energy seeking to accomplish? Do the things that I have been most concerned with in the last month have any value Beyond this life. Don't think that because you're a Christian, Jesus' warning doesn't apply to you. Remember the rich man called Abraham father. In other words, he was a member of the church. He identified as one of the people of God. 
This story seems to be particularly relevant to us who live in New England, where everybody, it seems, has some connection to the church. It's part of the culture. On the East Coast, even the pagans make the sign of the cross. But what about faith in Jesus? What about a desire to know him, to study and learn his holy word? Ah, that's a different matter entirely. The rich man may have had all the trappings that come with church membership. He may even have gone to church regularly. We don't know. As a Jew, as one who considered himself a child of Abraham, he certainly would have been circumcised and studied Moses and the prophets in Hebrew school. In Lutheran terms, we might say that he had been baptized and confirmed. But he had no love for the word of God, which alone can make us wise unto salvation. This becomes clear when Abraham says to him, Your brothers have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear the scriptures and come to repentance. And the rich man answers, No, Father Abraham, that's not good enough. The word of God won't work. In order for my brothers to repent, God needs to give them something better than his word. If they see an amazing miracle, if Lazarus appears to them back from the dead, then they will believe. It's ironic that Jesus literally did raise a man from the dead and his name was Lazarus. Did the rich and unbelieving leaders of the people repent? No. They added Lazarus to their hit list. Abraham was right. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. The rich man had no regard for the word of God during his life or after his death. Here we see the root of his idolatry. He spent his life accumulating as many gifts from God as he could while despising the gift above all gifts. The holy scriptures, which impart saving faith in Jesus. His money was his God. And it gave him all his good things in life. But after his death, he discovered too late that his God had no power to raise the dead. How much better if you had to choose to be destitute of all earthly riches and yet have the treasure of Christ. The psalmist says, Better is a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Dear Christians, we have been given an incomparable treasure Guard your faith. Guard the faith of your children. Cultivate it. Feed it regularly with the word of God. By comparison, nothing else matters. In this life, even though God does shower us with many blessings, none compares 
to the gift that Christ gives to us from his own hands at the divine service. One drop from his chalice is more precious than the finest wine. One crumb of his body is enough to sustain us now and for all eternity. We who kneel today as beggars at the table of our Lord will rise on the last day to partake of the heavenly feast that has no end. In the name of Jesus, amen.